Hello, and welcome to this week's edition of the Five Things Podcast, a podcast where we talk about the things that are happening this week in social media and give you some takeaways so that you can go back to your organization and just know what's going on. That's what we do here. Interesting lineup this week. Well, we've got an old friend here, Kate Pierce. Hello, Kate. Hi, thanks for having me back. She did so well the first time we decided, you know what, come back and try it again. We also have everyone's favorite co-host, Amanda Davis. No offense, Beth. Hi, Amanda. That was controversial, but I'll take it. Hi, guys. All right, with that, let's dive right in. We'll be kicking it off with Facebook, expanding their Spotify partnership. Facebook's Clubhouse competitor was just announced for Facebook. Interesting syntax there. Reddit is announcing Reddit Talk, which is a follow-up from a few weeks ago. Pinterest is launching their new content claiming portal. Sounds cool. And finally, Facebook suggested topics for the feed. We'll see what that is all about. A lot of Facebook today. We all know that makes for fireworks. So with that, we dive right into Facebook expanding their Spotify partnership. I love this. Facebook was a partner for Spotify from the very, very beginning. Uh, And just recently, Mark Zuckerberg announced Project Boombox which is their initiative to build an inline audio player that is going to allow listeners to listen to songs or playlists being shared on the platform without actually having to link to the Spotify app or website. So this is something that Zuckerberg was talking about and featuring as other products designed to improve the experience of creators on the platform and really giving musicians the ability to share their work uh, without having to externally link out to something like Spotify. We are always in in search of being able to have one experience in an app that takes us through our entire day and our journey. And if you can be on Facebook and you could be in groups and you can be browsing news headlines and you can be sharing with friends all while listening and not having to leave uh, the app experience, I think that's always a good thing. Uh, You know, I love the social nature of Spotify. And I think it will be interesting for creators and musicians to be able to leverage that to create community around their music. Um, So very, very excited to see where this goes. Uh, Amanda, Kate, what do we think? It's cool. It kind of reminds me of um, SoundCloud when they first came out. They were kind of the first ones to have that in-app listening experience. And I think to your point, Kenny, I can see this even extending into Instagram really well. You know, if you lose the link in bio or the find me on Spotify or even like a long form video, it's a really cool way to kind of discover new music. And I'm sure the algorithm's going to help with that um, without getting lost on the platform or, or feeling like you need to commit too much to go to another platform to listen. It could be good for uh, small musicians. Yeah, I think it's really interesting the ability to share an artist's music within the app. I know that you can do it within stories and share directly from Spotify into a story, but to have the ability to listen to content right away is, it's really interesting. I think it's a good move. I don't know why, but when Amanda just said small musicians, I just thought Bruno Mars. (laughs) Um, (laughs) He's one of the smallest. I, I just, but you know. Catch a grenade for ya. Um, I, I think we could have some fun with that. I'm really excited to see where this goes. I'm a huge Spotify user. I've been using Spotify since before it was even available in the United States. Hashtag humble brag. Um, so I, I'm loving where this is going. And sometimes Facebook surprises us. 
surprises you, surprises yous. I'm from Philly. I can say yous. Um, so with that, we're going to move on to Facebook announcing their clubhouse competitor. And Kate's going to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone's jumping on the bandwagon right now to have audio and Facebook is feeling like they can go all audio. Um, I think it's really interesting, especially as you start to dissect what they're planning to do and supporting emerging audio creators in more of a podcast function. Um, I think one of the interesting pieces of what they're doing with audio is having the ability to share sound bites. Um, So actually taking a portion of what you're talking about in the audio function and sharing it within the feed. So similar to how TikTok is mostly visual, this now gives that audio feature that people can share out and have people comment on it. That's where I think they'll differentiate themselves a little bit because I know with Twitter spaces, the audio lives and then it's gone. But to have it be able to live on in certain clips and portions for people to be able to relive and listen to again is very interesting. I don't know, Kenny, what do you think? I think that differentiator is really nice. Yeah, I was talking recently with someone who is a Facebook expert and the thing about Facebook that still lives and will always be a strong component of the Facebook experience is groups and communities. Um, whether you're using Facebook every day uh, to, to browse and see what people are up to or just remembering when someone's birthday is, you know, the, the, the thing that reigns supreme within Facebook are groups and the big knock on Clubhouse is that it's very difficult to curate and find uh, the communities that you want to be a part of. So Facebook has an inherent advantage when it comes to creating an audio-like experience like Clubhouse, where they can actually tap into those communities and get experts to jump in and be a part of it. So as long as Facebook doesn't try to make it bigger than what it is, and I think we've said this on the podcast before, you know, Social audio is not a standalone app. It is a feature of social networks. And that's where Clubhouse will inherently fail. I've been seeing a ton of buzz about how people were on Clubhouse every single day and then they just stopped. Like, I can tell you, that's me. Like, I haven't opened the app in in a month. And frankly, I find the notifications to be really annoying. Um, So, and... And what was once elegant um, in terms of being a closed beta to drive scarcity and interest has now just become a barrier. So I, I actually think Facebook, what, Facebook's obvious big competition is going to be spaces on Twitter. And I think when, when we get to the point where um, it's going to be about curation, I think that's where Facebook's going to be able to make a difference. Yeah, and the community as well. I think that's something that's going to be really strong on Facebook and the opportunity that they're giving to creators to be able to profit off of this and have people subscribe to listen into certain sound bites and clips is going to differentiate them even more from what Spaces is doing. But I agree with you on Clubhouse. I've turned off all my notifications at this point. Same. I turned them off probably the first week. Um... So in this focus group of three, <laughs> clubhouse shouldn't even exist anymore (laughs) the last thing i was gonna say kate is you made a really good point which i think is really important in that you know what what happens with that content after it's live like how is it shared on social how is it you know reflected back on and no one's really cracked that honestly like clubhouse you can't really do much with those conversations same with twitter um reddit 
So I think that is a really key component of like people are spending time on this platform and then that's just going away forever. And that was originally part of the charm when Clubhouse came out. Um, but now it's like people want to share that and people want to, you know, reference back to it and have something to point at afterwards. And I think that is what Facebook might actually do better than the other platforms. Yeah, agreed. All right, let's keep rolling. Amanda, Reddit talk. So this is going to sound like deja vu. Um, Reddit announced Reddit talk, which is a lot like Clubhouse. So we thought about this last week, you know, what would they use it for? How does it function? Um, And they made an announcement this week. It looks a lot like Clubhouse. Um, Almost all of the functionality is the same. It's kind of the same swipe up. You have speakers, you have people in the room that can chime in. The main difference um, that I noticed is that it's much more anonymous, understandably, because that's kind of Reddit's, you know, how they foster a lot of honest and insightful dialogue. So it's not surprising, but instead of your face or your avatar, it's more of this illustration cartoon, you know, visual that you see associated with each person. But other than that, it's really not any different than Clubhouse. You know, they're positioning it as this way for especially the subreddits to communicate better with each other. We talked about, you know, could it be used for Ask Me Anything or other features on the platform? Maybe. Um, But they're just starting by letting moderators of the subreddits launch it are the only ones that can kind of start a chat. Um, And other than that, it's pretty much the same functionality. But to your point earlier, Kenny, like, you know, this is less about the functionality and more about the platform. I think when it comes to brands and marketing, it is decide which platform and which community you're speaking to with which message, and then bring it to life in the ways that feel native there. And if that is audio rooms, great. If that is short form content, great. If it is, you know, long form thought pieces, great. But it's less about this specific function and more about the communities that are on Reddit. So this is what's fascinating to me. When I when we're talking about community driven audio, Reddit was the first one that came to mind as the only one to challenge Facebook, except for one thing. Facebook thrives on you being you. Reddit thrives on your ability to be whoever you want to be. So the, the the cloaking of oneself on Reddit is going to like, are they going to want to reveal themselves and have their voices be heard? I don't know that. So how do we how, how does Reddit Reddit could potentially win this space, but or, you know, I, I'm editing myself in real time, which is like, does anyone have to win? It's like a function of the platform. But I think that where Reddit could run into issues is that the users themselves don't often like to be known. And that adds a layer. I know we talked about it right when this all, you know, when Clubhouse first came out, you know, the fact that you are very accountable, you need an invite, something that you say might come back to your name and face is attached to what you say. So it keeps people from being rude, inappropriate, kind of not fostering a good dialogue. And when you take that away, it could go either way. It's a gift and a curse. People could be really honest and have really fruitful conversation because they're not attached to this name, or they could be the opposite and kind of create a conversation that, you know, you might not want happening without that uh, association to yourself. Yeah. I mean, Kate has a full burner persona on Reddit that is like, that is completely unrelated to who she is as a person. Is she going to just roll up now and use her own voice that people will recognize because of this well-listened to podcast and then all of a sudden reveal herself? No, because I like to have my 
trolling ability on Reddit. And that's what I enjoy doing on Reddit while on Instagram, I'm more of like me, who I am. And then on TikTok, I just also troll people on that platform too. (laughs) But no, I agree with you. I think there'll be certain people that use Reddit to be anonymous and to speak their mind through their writing versus others who are going to come out and say, I want to talk. I want people to listen to me and hear what I have to say outside of what I'm just writing. So I think there'll be kind of two sides to it of the people who are going to actually speak and then the other people who are like me who are just going to troll the content. If anyone can write into podcasts at gray.com and guess Kate's Reddit troll persona, there's a prize for you. I don't think you can. Um, all right, everyone, we're going to keep rolling through here. and t- <laughs> Kenny's trying to get Kate doxxed. Oh, man, <laughs> funny. Um, all right, we're going to keep rolling here. And Kate, let's talk about Pinterest launching their new content claiming portal. What does that mean for the platform? What does it mean for creators? Take it away. I think, I think this is really interesting and good for Pinterest for doing this because it is a platform of creators who are sharing their work to inspire others. And now they actually have the ability to claim that it's theirs and not be used by other brands or other creators. Um, So I really love what they're doing. You know, there's the ability for them to say, you know, this is mine only, you know, remove it for future versions. Don't allow people to use it for website only. So you can remove the existing and have future versions of an image for Pinterest um, and then block all. So like absolutely take it down. Nobody else can use this. I love it. I think it's great for creators. I think Pinterest has been doing a really good job lately of actually allowing their creators to have a voice and creating similar to these creator funds that we're seeing through Facebook and through TikTok, where it gives them the ability to have some ownership of their work. Um, because on Pinterest, it's kind of the wild west where people can take stuff and then reshare it and repurpose it. And it ends on a website somewhere and a designer or an artist is like, well, that's my work. I did that. And that's originally from my page. So I love this. I think it's really smart. And I think it levels up Pinterest as more of a creator platform um, for art and for design. Yeah, I feel like that was the one thing that we talked about creators, I think, recently, because they just started a creator fund, too. And I think that's the one thing that Pinterest was missing is the ownership aspect of your content on the platform. And while Pinterest normally was kind of, to your point, Kate, that reshare, you know, curate your storyboard site, it's now becoming a place where people can create original content, they can control their content. I'm curious if like, you know, maybe down the line, there's some NFT technology built in here that helps prove people's art is theirs. Don't want to get, don't want to put Pinterest too, too far into the future. But I think when we talk about, you know, the macro uses for things like that and how content and art is shared, these are the places that that needs to be controlled a little bit more. It's fascinating. I, uh, Pinterest never ceases to amaze me. Like I find them to be such a special platform and brands when the word pinterest comes up just get like lost like they look like they all hit their heads and got a concussion and forgot what to do i've it is the best portal to product discovery it is the best portal to product curation and it's just shocking to me that that brands don't do more of it and i think this will help you know legitimate creators help you know, keep content legitimate. I, I love 
this will prevent that entire fear of being co-opted. I think it's just fascinating. I love it. This is a good update. Bravo, Pinterest. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like Pinterest is one of those platforms that I've use every day because I love to see the inspiration that I can get from it. But now for creators to have the ability to own something makes this platform change completely. I've been seeing some brand work, obviously, with like one show coming out with their uh, finalists and webbies and how brands are actually using the platform to curate really cool content and show like what's trending on Pinterest and how can we build a room around what's trending and put our product into that. That's really smart, creative. And I think more brands are going to start to do that now that it's like, all right, let's tap into a creator on the platform and work with them to create content around what's actually trending on the platform or styles that are changing in real time. I think it's smart. I'm excited to see how it changes. And I hope, you know, more brands start to get involved on the platform and not just posting a static image of an ad. I think there's more to be done. All right. Well, we're going to bring it home now and talk about Facebook suggesting topics for users to follow in their feed, which is a Twitter mainstay, but very curious what this does for Facebook. Amanda, what's going on? All right. (laughs) We should rename this podcast, taking a page out of someone else's book. Um, Facebook is launching topics with a capital T that's intended to basically aggregate content within people's feed so they can opt in to follow topics, things like travel, Olympics, interior design. Um, Again, similar to Twitter's take on shifting from specific hashtags to general conversation topics. Um, And what's interesting is like Facebook has been pushing out features that are intended to have users get out of their feed bubbles of the friends and family that they follow. So they're finding, they're trying to find new ways to get people into different conversations. Um, I think the timing is also the elephant in the room um, with the IDFA update from Apple, which lets people opt out of in-app tracking. So this could be an alternative way that Facebook is trying to, you know, create a system to target users based on their interests that they can opt into by following a topic versus using their data um, if they've opted out of that. So it's not groundbreaking. It's not totally crazy um, because we've seen it work well on Twitter. But I think for brands, it's a lot of, it's a great way to join a conversation um, that's already happening and not needing to use a specific hashtag or not needing to, you know, at a specific handle to get into that conversation, especially smaller brands um, that maybe don't have a partnership or something like that. So I think it's interesting. I think it'll be utilized if people pick it up. I, Facebook's not the known for people getting out of their bubbles very often. So we'll see if it's something that actually gets traction. But it's basically another tool for brands and uh, users to be able to find the content they want. Discoverability, what they've always tried to be about. Uh, I think this will be... I If Facebook just leans into groups, I think it becomes even more powerful. So like then this topics thing can actually drive to a group that you might be interested in. Like the audio thing works, the live works, like all the pieces work, just lead into groups. They were doing that. Their ad campaigns were actually focused on that. And like, I don't use Facebook in my personal life. I use it for work um, and to wish people happy birthday. Like, oh God. Could you imagine being a multi-billion dollar company where its sole purpose is to be a reminder of whose birthday it is? Um, it's just fascinating. No, Facebook's much more than that. We love them. Thanks for being great partners. Um, so yeah, I think this is great. 
uh, I think it's a good evolution. It makes sense for Twitter, but it also makes sense for Facebook. Um, and it will continue to be something that helps grow groups in a meaningful way. Kate, anything you want to throw in there? Yeah, I think it goes back to what you said earlier about like face, Facebook's not going to win this. But I think giving the community that they already have who's dedicated to the platform more functions to use to be able to expand on let's talk about certain topics, let's grow the community. Like they're never going to win. I feel like most people know what platforms they love and they're going to continue to use those and they're just going to evolve with the platform and use the functionalities that it has. I mean, certain people would prefer to stay on Twitter and have their conversations there versus others who solely go to Facebook for everything or younger generations who solely go to TikTok for all of their content consumption. So I think it's just, it's a good evolution. It's good for Facebook and it's good for the people that are already using the platform. The key, if I'm Facebook, all of my product evolutions are geared towards waiting for that 13, you know, that, that 10 to 15 year old group of people to be ready to come to Facebook. Like I want my platform to be ready for them because Facebook is going to have that, that return swing back, like what Snap had, like what Twitter had. Um, so it's all about product preparation for that moment. Um, with that, those are our five things this week. A, a really good one. I'm so thrilled that Kate Pierce was able to join us. Always great perspective from Kate when it comes to creators. Very, very happy to have podcast regular co-host amanda davis here with me as well um and with that if you don't already be sure to follow us on apple and spotify if you have any questions or thoughts you can email us at podcastsecurity.com and as always don't forget stay safe stay smart stay social the five things are written and researched by andrew patty and grace mcdougall produced by joey scarillo and danielle hunt Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin with support from post-producer Ned Martin. Additional support by John Jenkinson and Christina Hyde. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com.